Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Great to be with you today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. It is November 9th, 2015. I'm joined by my big sister, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Jewel. Hi, Leanne. How are you today? Busy weekend here at Satellite Sisters for the Southern California swing of the book tour. Bear with us. We're just going to have to talk about this book tour for a little while just because (laughs) it's so fun. It's so fun to meet people in the Satellite Sisterhood. So I have a report on that. But... uh, but that's it. I'm it's I'm 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 cranking it up. I, I have an event in a couple of hours and then one in the morning and then one on Friday. <laughs> I'm busy. Go, go, go. That's good. That's I'm busy. Good. Gotta sell some books, but it's been mm-hmm. fun. It's been fun. So uh how are things there? Uh, things are good here, Leanne. And I also wanna you know, this is birthday week for Sister Monica. Oh so, shoot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Darn it. You could send her a book. How about that? You know what, Julie? At the meetup on Pasadena on Saturday night, Amy came in. She couldn't stay long. She gave Liz a birthday gift for Monica. And it was a bag of books. How nice was that? So Liz was like pawing through the books like, hmm, these are good. I was like, that is for you to give to Monica from Satellite Sister Amy. All right? (laughs) I think Liz was going to apprehend some of the books. That's not right, Liz. It's not your birthday. It's Monica's birthday week. I just want to You're put right. that out there so You're people right. can post at our Facebook group yes. uh, birthday uh, wishes for Monica. So. Great. And it is Veterans uh, Day this week. My yes, it is. Yes. Yes, so it people is. have various days of the week off, but this is really a day to thank our veterans. So thank you very much. I know we have a lot of veterans and, uh, and military personnel that listen to Satellite Sisters all over the world. So we thank you very much. All right. We, we have a, a show today. We have a show. <laughs> yes, we do, Liam. We have a no, lot to talk we about. We have a lot to talk about, Jill, even though it's a Monday and we're doing the Tuesday show on a Monday because I have a speaking engagement tomorrow. All right. We do have our Madam Secretary recap coming up. Excellent episode. I thought mm-hmm. very tight, very well written. Love this episode. Uh, Julie, you have a first lady's desk. We haven't had that in a while. So excited about that. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you went to see a movie. You're going to tell us which one. And, um, you know, the word from Germany. Apparently you have the word from Germany. Is that correct? They're upset. Germans are upset, Leon. Okay, and you know we have German heritage. You know, yes. our, on our mother's side. Yeah, uh, I married into a family of Germans. Yes, we yeah. we grew up eating a lot of liverwurst sandwiches. Yes, uh, so uh, the Germans are upset, and I'm going to tell you why. And they have a plan, and people are just going to have to deal with it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> We'll just have to deal. You have to deal, people. All right. Well, I have to start the show, though, with thanking everybody who came to the two Satellite Sisters events that we did in Southern California this weekend. We did an informal meetup at Del Frisco's um, on Lake Avenue in Pasadena. And there are a couple of reasons I picked Del Frisco's, Julie. First of all, my friend Susan manages the whole huge complex it's in. So she put in the good word for me. So that's good. Those are Satellite Sisters helping each other out on the work front. So shout out to Susan. The the people at Del Frisco's did a fantastic job. But I liked this situation because um, it's not a UCLA football weekend. It's one of the reasons we picked this weekend in Pasadena so that it wouldn't be too busy and there would be hotel rooms. But also the bar opens at 4. And so they said, well, we'll set aside the bar for you. People can come on in. Midweek, I emailed based on our Facebook group. I said, I think we're going to have about 25 to 30 just for your staffing needs. <laughs> Don't you know it, Liz? Julian, uh, Liz and I arrived at 4.01, and there were already like 10 Satellite Sisters in the bar. They had opened up early for our crew who had That's come wonderful. early. 
That's they, wonderful. They had beverages in front of them. They were good to go. It was fantastic to see people. And I hate to name off names just because I'll forget. And it was really special meeting everybody. So it was absolutely fantastic. We had people there from Southern California, people who had driven in from the desert or up from Orange County or Manhattan Beach. And that was all great. And then we had people who were spending the weekend in town from, we had the sisters who came from Ohio and Maryland again. They had been in Pasadena five years ago when I launched Helen of Pasadena. They came back. They were they came back. They That's were doing wonderful. the whole weekend again. We had a crew from Minnesota was there, Annie and Chris and Pat and uh, Patty S and Pat. And uh, we had people from Seattle drove down, Kate. We had a mother-daughter team, Pam and Madeira. Oh, I that, think I saw their pictures. That, they were adorable. It was so fun to meet them. I had friends who were who listened to the show, you know, here locally. So there are people who are friends, but also listeners. So my friend Martha was there and Mary was there and that was really fun. It was just a very convivial group. People just mixed and mingled and chatted and we took some photos and it could not have worked better. Oh, and then the sisters from Valencia, Jennifer and Jill, they brought in like three big containers of nothing but cakes. (laughs) I saw those. Those look very tasty. Unbelievable. And Jennifer owns a Nothing But Cakes franchise. So these were called like bundalinos or something, bundettas or (laughs) (laughs) buntissimas. They were tiny little bun cakes. All I know is I went home with a half a box and my sons were thrilled. But then Del Frisco's provided some pizza for all and people just ordered their beverages and it was really a fantastic time. That well, was this excellent. Is, I think what's nice is, I mean, you, you can see from the comments that people really enjoyed meeting you and Liz and Sheila, but it sounds like they also enjoyed meeting each other. You it's know? really and, the point. Yeah. It's really the meet each other. Yeah. No, I know, Jill, they did. I mean, I, there was a lot of conversation uh, amongst people, introductions. I did bring some name tags that no one... I, I didn't really force people to put on name tags, so so no one did. But that's okay. <laughs> that's just a, so it was just a thought. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't monitor the name tags. It was just fun taking pictures and getting everyone's story and how they got there and who they brought. Erin brought her sister and people, you know, multiple multiple generations. It was just really fun, super fun, super fun. And then um, afterwards, we just stayed to have dinner because we had to we had to figure out what we were going to say the next day at Froman's. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you had a little staff meeting. We did. We had a a staff meeting. Sheila just, she was on it. She wanted that guacamole stat. She sat down. We had the staff meeting. Liz and I were like still eating. And Sheila's like, okay, I got to (laughs) go. Just... Sheila just, doesn't like to linger nope. at staff meetings. No, nope. nope. she likes to get her assignment and move on. Nope, Here. that was it. She had mm-hmm. had her guac. She had had her salad. She left. And there was my husband joined us for dinner. So that was fine. And then um, yesterday we had the Romans event. And Romans is my hometown bookstore. It's the oldest independent bookstore in Southern California. And they've always been very supportive of Satellite Sisters and my writing, which is fantastic to have a well-respected independent bookstore on your side. So I signed, the first time I signed there was 15 years ago when the Satellite Sisters book came out in 2001, so 14 years ago. And uh, you know what, Julie? I I did not sleep the whole night before. I was excited and worried and amped. It's very different doing your own hometown signing, you know, Mm -hmm. and you'll see that. You'll you'll Mm -hmm. see when we go to Dallas because this is a really personal book about friendship. And Mm -hmm. so you look and it's, you know, we wrote it, I think, from the heart. We really meant it. There are a lot of really meaningful pieces in the book. And so when you look up and you see like 20 great friends in the audience, you lose it. I mean, I did. I just was very overwhelmed. You know, I was, first of all, you're always worried people won't come. And then you're, <laughs> then, you know. Yes. Yes, we are. We yeah. are definitely worried about that. Yeah. Yes. Cause there have been events where no one comes. I mean, it's not, it's not false modesty. It's, <laughs> it's true. It's Sacramento. True. That's all I need to say. Yeah. And Monica knows what I mean. Yeah. Okay. We definitely have been alone in bookstores. So, and then 
I rehearsed all morning. I just wanted to get my piece right. And it was just really personal for me to look up and, and see so many friends there in the audience. And also, you know, Satellite Sisters listeners who had been there the night before. And, and that's one relationship. But, you know, when I was writing my pieces for the book, I was thinking about my, my friends, you know, here who have really meant so much to me. So uh, we each, we did a little intro and then Sheila read and Liz read and then I read. And I, I was a mess <laughs> when I was reading. You're bringing yeah. that home with the tears. That's I did. The emotion is true. I mean, friendship is from the heart, Lee, and so that's okay. Well, that's the thing. You know, the subtitle of the book is the celebration of friendship. And when we were writing it, there were a couple of things that we pitched that were not so much celebratory. You know, some story ideas. And and then we decided, you know what? This is a celebration of friendship. Uh, sometimes there is a dark side to friendship, but that's another book. Let's just keep, keep it positive and, you know, keep it meaningful. And so that's what yesterday's event at Romans really felt like to me was a celebration of my friendships. It was really fantastic. You know, a whole bunch of moms from like the kids' elementary school were there. Mothers I knew from preschool were there. You know, sports moms, my high school friend moms. You know, that that's been an important relationship as the kids get older, meeting a new set. So I, I really got overwhelmed. I mean, I that often happens to me, but uh, this was, I barely made it through. But I did. I did make it through. So if you look at the photos and you're like, I wonder why Leanne didn't put any makeup on. It's because I cried it all <laughs> off in the middle of it. <laughs> my face looks bloated and blotchy. It was because I was a little choked up during my reading, but... It just made it very special. And then more Satellite Sisters listeners came Sunday. So it was just real. It's just really fun to 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 sort of reconnect with people, isn't it? Yes, it is, Leanne. So don't stop now because the next event is in St. Paul, right, Leanne? This yes. is coming up uh, in a couple weekends. Yeah, well, next weekend. weekend. Next weekend. Ooh, yeah. It's not you. It's not me. It's Sheila and Liz. And the good news is those adorable signs that Lauren made that I brought to the Pasadena signing. I am handing them off to Sheila. She is bringing them to the Twin Cities. In St. Paul, the event is sponsored by Subtext Books. Okay, they are the bookseller. There will be books. Uh, Our publisher was there this week. We encourage you to call Subtext this week. Pre-order your books for pickup. A lot of people have done that. It's working really well. That's the best place to find them. The event is off-site at the St. Paul Athletic Center, Athletic Club, which is just up the street. And then afterwards, people are, can feel free to hang out. There is some sort of bar or restaurant or something. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not in charge of this event, but so I've tried to stay out of the details. There's only so much one gal can do. So, um, But Liz has it all covered, so you'll be covered. But do call subtext books uh, like today would be good uh, to pre-order your books. They'll have extra books there, but just so you make sure that you get them. But there were people in um, in Pasadena who said they would also be in St. Paul. Oh, that's, 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 I like the sound of that, Leanne. I like the sound of that. And I don't know what they're doing, Liz and Sheila, on their own. They're doing their own program. So I don't know what's going to be happening or what the color scheme is or what they're wearing. But uh, so that's it. That's what's happening in St. Paul. Again, I encourage you to go to SatelliteSisters.com. You can click under the events listing. Everything there is current and correct. But if you really have any questions, the bookstore, this is their event. So it's the best place to call is Subtext Books in St. Paul. And um, and that's, you know, that's what I can tell you about that. But, you know, Julie, it, it occurred to me, several people have said, oh, I wish you were coming to Indiana or I wish you were coming to uh, Spokane, Washington. And there is just a limit on where we can go financially. It's just, mm-hmm. just the way it works. Um, so we're trying to go places where uh, we can sleep on people's couches. <laughs> That's a number one. Dallas, because you're staying in my guest room, right? right. That's yeah, it. Uh, Liz. You know, Brooklyn slept on couches. Portland, yes. we're sleeping on couches. But um, here's what I would say, and this is what the last couple weekends have taught me: like, just throw your own "you're the best" party, and I, and I don't mean that facetiously. I'm saying like. It is a fantastic opportunity to get to thank your friends for all they do for you. And originally when we were cooking up this idea and we had bold marketing plans, we were going to arrange, we were going to like put together this whole, you're the best party planning thing. And we didn't do it, but buy the book. That'd be great. Uh, But you know, invite your friends over and take the opportunity to thank them because that is actually what the book's about. And just because we can't be there doesn't mean (laughs) 
You can't do that for your own friends. And I mean it really sincerely. That's what it felt like yesterday for me in Pasadena was just a really, it was a very public way of just honestly thanking my friends for how much they have supported me over the last 23 years that I've lived in Pasadena. And, you know, that's a fantastic opportunity and you can create your own You're the Best Party because tonight I'm going down to my college roommate's house and she's invited all her great friends from the, you know, the cul-de-sac where she lives and I'm happy to be the facilitator, but it's really going to be a party about them and their friendship and and what they've done for each other. And that's great. People can throw their own because it's really a great opportunity to just say thank you to your friends. And what a nice time of year to do this. Yeah. You know, it's easy. You know, you can just, you know, you can do it in the evening. You can do it at a lunch. You know, I mean, you don't really have to overthink a breakfast. Don't have to overthink of it. Think it, you know, and uh, but it is a great way to stop. And thank your friends for all the, the great things they do. One you know? of the pieces in the book um, is by our niece, Megan Dolan Saparita, and it's about giving wedding toasts. She's a good public speaker and she's done some good toasts. But uh, really the heart of the piece is at the end when she writes, like, if you have the opportunity to say something great about your, you know, your sister, the bride or your grandmother or a colleague, like, take that opportunity because that just does not come up that often. And I love that part of her essay. I, I thought that was really the heart of it. Like... You know, a formal wedding toast, that happens once, maybe twice, a lifetime. Right. (laughs) I mean, three times we're not judging. We're not judging. But, you know, just throwing a party and, like, toasting your friends, fantastic. Do it. You're the best. Throw your own party. You're going to enjoy it. I'm telling you. You will enjoy it. Well, Lynn, I just did want to mention, you know, because you are coming to Dallas. Yes. I'm going to be doing an event at the Barnes & Noble. At, um, at It's on Preston and Royal Lane, uh, just north of downtown. And it's going to be a fun event at noontime. And all the information is at SatelliteSisters.com. But I Julie, was, what's that date again? It's uh, Thursday, December 3rd. Okay, it's Thursday, Thursday December 3rd. Because someone, someone was, yeah, just make sure Thursday, December 3rd at noon. At noon. And I, we got some crews coming event. in for that, Julie. We yes, have some people I, flying Alabama, in. Land. No, I know. We're psyched. Yeah. Oklahoma. Yes. We got to do it. I mean, and it's and I, Dallas. We got to, I got to get that hair, that root amplifier going again. <laughs> you got yeah, You got to get to work, Lynn. <laughs> I know. But I was thinking you were coming and you know what is just about an hour south of Dallas that I thought might be a fun field trip because I was reading about it in the paper this weekend. You know, I love that little show. It's called Fixer Upper on the HGTV <laughs> station. Okay. You know, it's Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know, and they 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 live in they live in Waco, Texas, Leon. It's uh-huh. just an hour south of Dallas. It's not that far, okay? And they Waco is a town where all real estate is under two hundred thousand okay. dollars. So which is it's just a dream world, Leanne. And you it can, is a, that is a dream world. It yep. is a dream world. You can buy a house and Chip and Joanna Gaines in like six weeks can fix it up and it's just as cute as can be. Well, they have a brand new giant store that they've opened in Waco, Texas. You know, it just opened this month. And uh, they, they have, have a store now. Yes, Magnolia, a big store. They're going to have their own furniture line, home <laughs> furnishings. All right, field trip, Leanne. <laughs> okay. Julie, for you, I'll do it. I'll do I, it, Julie. I'll do but it. But I'm just thinking for people who are like maybe still on the on the fence. Like if there wasn't enough to do in Dallas, you know, anyway. That if you're a fan of Fixer Upper, you could just swing down to Waco. <laughs> you could. That's <laughs> true. That's true. You know, it's good. Just pack yourself some little bunt cakes. We have a nothing but bunt cakes right across the street from the Barnes and Noble in Dallas. Oh, where we're speaking. maybe we should get some. For yeah, the, yep. And for I'm going to put up. I'm going to scout out some lunch places too, Lane, because there's some oh. cute, cute little lunch places um, that I want to recommend probably on our next podcast. Okay. Cause people did ask me a lot. I got some Facebook messages and where would you go for lunch? And I should yeah. have done something more formal. I just, I got really backed up with work, but, yeah. uh, I did, was able to like reach out to people. So yeah, that's a good idea. Tiny little thing. And Julie, isn't that great? 12 days of Christmas happening at, yes, the, at, at the Arboretum. That was yes. a winner. Okay, I mean, I so know we had to run through it last year. <laughs> yes, we did. Leah. 
Well, but, but that didn't stop us. No. That, that did not stop us. We, we, we sprinted through the 12 days of Christmas for some reason. I don't know where Julie had to get to, but. It was freezing cold, too. It was a really bitter cold day for us. But, Leanne, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work up a list. Of okay. Things. If you're thinking to, of coming yeah. to Dallas, and I know, I know some of our satellite sisters are like, they're like, they're working on their satellite misters to drive to Dallas. I'm yeah. going to work up a list of fun things to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And no, that's. For satellite misters too. Okay. That, that I'm going to, I have some ideas that I'll put on a list and I'll mention that at our, on our next podcast. Okay. okay. All right. right. I know. Well, Leanne, I wanted to bring up a, a topic that I haven't talked about in quite some time. And that's the first lady's desk. You right. know, this is something that we have always done at Satellite Sisters. And it is the idea that if you are married to a politician or to anyone or a partner with mm-hmm. anyone, that just because your partner or your spouse does something uh, in the public eye, you should be free to do whatever you want, right? <laughs> this, uh, this, this, we've always said that, you know, um, and and we've and we've support. We're, you know, it doesn't matter your party affiliation. We support all first uh, first ladies and their ability uh, and their desire to do different things. That's good. So it was with great interest that I read a piece um, this past weekend in the New York Times about Margaret Trudeau. Do you remember who Margaret Trudeau is? You know, I I remember her being like the like really beautiful first lady of Canada, of Pierre Pierre Trudeau's wife. You know, I was quite young at the time. But uh, yeah, the name is certainly she was very glamorous, wasn't she? Didn't she hang out with like Mick Jagger at one point? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So here's the story. Well, first of all, she is the mother of the new prime minister of Canada, yes. that Justin Trudeau, who looks like a super cute lifeguard. He's a, he? Yeah, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to respect uh, the office by not talking about how handsome he is. <laughs> I mean, he looks like a college senior. Or I know. I know. I, 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 okay. <laughs> but uh, so there he should all- get a man bun. I mean, he'd look good. <laughs> He could. And you know what? We'd support it. But this is, they were, uh, Margaret Trudeau, Trudeau, they're calling this her quiet comeback. Because here's her backstory. She had, she lived quite a life, Leanne. Okay. That first of all, she married the very dashing Pierre Trudeau, who was the prime minister. But at the time she got married, she was 22. She oh, wow. Dating, she started dating Pierre Trudeau when she was 18 years old. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was creepy. <laughs> I know he was like over 40. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. But, but right. she was really young. She was they were they met in Tahiti. She was a hippie. You know, she was like traveling around oh. the world, hanging out in Morocco. And and she's 18 years old and she meets this old guy named Pierre Trudeau. But they sort of hit it off. And so. She, you know, sort of became the the first lady of Canada, and you know, and I don't think she had any idea of what she was getting herself into. The other part of the story, which I don't know, it didn't come out until much later, is that she really battled bipolar dip- um, disorder. And oh that, wow, I didn't know that. That she, yeah, that she had that for many years, and it was a hidden battle, um, and. Clearly, you know, even before it was maybe diagnosed, um, she really didn't deal with the pressure of being the first lady. And there's kind of all kind of wild stories about how, you know, in, at one uh, state dinner, she decided to, you know, deal with the nerves by taking peyote or something like that, Leanne. <laughs> and then I'm sure she gave- she's not the first first lady who has considered that. <laughs> <laughs> taking some mind-numbing drug to get well, through a state dinner. I and don't... apparently she gave some speech at that state dinner. Oh, wow. It was turned into a song of love. Mm. But yes, she did hang out with the Rolling Stones for a while. Okay. She was seen as, you know, she was a regular or, or she was always was linked with Studio 54, the famous discotheque okay, right, in New York. Right. She got her, you know, she got her husband in trouble because she was smuggling drugs in the prime minister's suitcase. Oh, that's uh, bad. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was that's... good. She had a thing. She had a thing for Ted Kennedy. Oh my gosh! And then, you know, and so she was constantly in the press and in the tabloids, and they were not, and they were tough on her, and you know, and she. You know, she, but she had also kind of a tragic life. She lost, she had three sons and she lost one of her, one of her sons died. And later she, you know, she didn't, she kind of, she was accused of abandoning her children to go to New York to learn photography from Richard Avedon. Uh, But, you know, 
but I think over time, you know, and she spent time in hospitals. She really had a bunch of out of control episodes, but she has kind of learned how to cope and she has worked very hard on her mental issues. And so now she's sort of, you know, people are, are much more accepting of, you know, of, first of all, of her, of the mental disorder that she was battling all this time. Oh, wow. And, uh, and a lot, I know, and a lot more accepting of, well, you know, that was a different time and place. And, you know, and that, that was quite a lot of pressure for a 22 year old yeah. girl to be made, you know, the wife of the prime minister of a major country, you know, yeah. so that, uh, so, but so now she has sort of a, they're, they're calling it a quiet comeback. So she's there supporting her son and, uh, you know, she's, she's back in Canada and she's trying to reestablish relationships with her grandchildren. So I just, uh, just a shout out from the first lady's desk to Margaret Trudeau, uh, You've done a lot of living, and I hope it, you continue to do well. That's what I. That's what I wanted to say. Very nice, Julie. Very nice. Okay. 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 Now, my second report today, Leanne, is something that you know we had. Liz had urged us to go see the movie Suffragette, right? Oh, I, oh maybe I don't think I was on that show. Were you not? Okay, so this is the British historical <laughs> yes. drama, a period, um, and it's being advertised. Carrie Mulligan is in it. it looks good. Helen uh, Bonham Carter is in it. Meryl Streep is in it. Well, okay. Well, here's the first thing you need to know, Uh, because if you look at the poster or whatever promos for the movie, you would think Meryl Streep has a major role on this. Okay. She has like 12 words that she says. Okay. Okay. And they're like, carry on girls. That's what Mary, in in that accent, it's sort of a British. It's Margaret Thatcher. It's her. It's like Margaret Thatcher went to, uh, went to the Czech Republic or something. It is the oddest accent. And she really has like 12 lines of dialogue in the whole thing. So she is, if you're going because you're a Meryl Streep fan, uh, you may want to reconsider it. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is amazing. She is an amazing She's actress. really a good actress. She's one of my favorite. Yeah. Helena Bonham Carter, amazing. A great actress. The problem with this movie is it's, so, it, you know, it, it tells the story of the suffragette movement in Great Britain, of the violence uh, associated with the movement in the late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, so it is a very intense movie, but it's also incredibly boring. I don't oh, know how shoot. they managed to do this. I mean, it is just... They have they have tremendous intensity in this movie. At, at times, it is so difficult to even watch the movie because because of the violence and the intensity. And then at the other times, it's like, oh, for goodness sakes, what's this movie is is End- endless. <laughs> So, Quite a good review. The review I read in the paper was that it was super earnest, like just really, really earnest. So you do what happens is you don't get any real feel for the people it's all about the cause but you yeah. found it also earnest and boring which sounds yes. super good i know but which is <laughs> you know and i was really torn because obviously it's such an important issue and i wanted to really really like the yeah. movie and i mean i i'm sure uh, carrie mulligan is amazing and her performance alone should have been enough to carry the movie but it's not it's okay not. so so there you have it. Okay. And I went with I went with a number of women from my book club. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so uh, we all kind of felt the, the same way. Oh, yeah, just so. okay. All right. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but if you, that's what well, I Well, remember put. in Downton Abbey when Sybil was involved in the, you know, the suffragette movement yes. and there yeah. was, yeah, there was, that's good enough. I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like. Was she in it? Was she in the movie? No, no. Sybil oh, was, I did it. not see her in the movie. <laughs> she could have been in the crowds. There's a, there's a number okay. of, number of protest scenes. So, uh, but Thanks. yeah, I don't know. Really. All right. So, so if you have a different opinion, I'd like, I'd like to hear about it, but I can't, I can't recommend. I can't, I can't tell you like, oh, don't miss this movie. You know, you should, you should miss this movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Or you should totally, watch it. With totally a- missable. That's a good blurb. Okay. Completely missable. Okay. <laughs> okay and my final report is, um, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a smaller detail, Leanne, but I, I wanted to bring it to your attention. I'm sure you saw the World Health Organization uh, a press release last week 
that they are really warning the world against um, eating processed meats. Um, you know, that this is not good for your health and it's going to, you know, that processed meats really, there's a direct link with cancer and they, you know, they just, they want people to stop eating processed meats. Right. Well, you know what? The Germans are really upset about this land. <laughs> and I know you have, you are married into a German yeah. family, right? Yeah. And, and as I said, we ate a lot of sauerkraut growing up, didn't yeah, we? We uh, did. More than your average family. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Germans, they just don't feel that way. And they are, they are going to, you know, and particularly they are going to, they're going to continue to have festivals that uh, promote and uh, sausage and hot dogs. <laughs> they see this as comfort food. I mean, the Germans are going to die for their worst land. You know, they, they love this stuff, you know, and they, they're really kind of devastated that the World Health Association would make such sweeping statements about their beloved hot dogs and frankfurters and and sausages. Uh, you know, I mean, you know what's great is like breakfast at those German hotels mm-hmm. where it's just you can get the salami and the sausages and it's I like liverwurst for breakfast. I love that. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Yes, I, I love it. It's just I mean, fantastic. You know, they're, they're, but the Germans are saying the same way that pasta is to Italy as sausages are to Germany. I mean, that you you just can't. Then and they don't want you to be afraid of bratwurst. They want you to just to continue to eat these. And they've so, so they've they're going to continue to have these campaigns. They're going to have these festivals. They're going to ignore the World Health Organization's recommendations in this area. <laughs> Well, okay. That's, you know, that's up to them. If they want to do that, go for it. Right. You know, it is good. It's delicious. You have to know, though, a lot of processed meats can't be good for you. But (laughs) if they just want to ignore that, that's fine. I mean, it's not shocking that, you know, you shouldn't eat bacon three times a day. But okay. (laughs) They just feel like they've been eating sausages and frankfurters for years. And and that they are, you know, they're They're good with it. Okay. They're, they're good with it, and uh, and they think this is a little nonsense. All the right, World Health Organization could have focused on other things other than hot clean water. drinking water, maybe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. If you want to find out any more about us, go to SatelliteSisters.com, SatelliteSisters.com. You can find us on Twitter and at Instagram, at SatSisters. Uh, we'd love for you to post uh, photos of your Satellite Sisters together under the hashtag SatSistersYTB. Still post those. Uh, Julie, several of the book winners were at the um, at the oh. events this weekend, and I'm proud to say they had received their books. So I... <laughs> Yay. Okay. I, and I, if, you, if we have announced you as a winner and you have not, and if you've not sent us your mailing address, uh, please do. And you can send that to info um, at SatelliteSisters.com. Yeah. So that's you. There's plenty of places to find us online. We also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. It's an open group. You're welcome to join where people now are just working on spiralizing things. So I I know, and it's really It's big. the hand spiralizer I got. And I just want to make sure people understand it's the gateway spiralizer. Like the zucchinis work like a dream. I think I burned about a thousand calories spiralizing some sweet potatoes last week, but I feel like, you know, that's good. It's like, you know, it's work, but it was worth it. They were delicious roasted and the apples are spiralizing up great. But, but we did have zoodles, the zucchini noodles, four out of five nights last week. Ooh, Lynn. <laughs> They're delicious. They're delicious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. I'm looking forward to that in my Christmas stocking. You got it, Jewel. You got it. You got it. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. When we return, our recap of Madam Secretary. Stay with us. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. This is our weekly recap of Madam Secretary, the CBS drama. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm joined by my sister, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, we have enjoyed doing these Madam Secretary recaps. And I can tell you, being out on our book tour, we've talked to people 
the rest of the Satellite Sisterhood is enjoying these Satellite Sister recaps too. It's fun to hear, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I like to hear that. And I, and I like to hear that people who weren't watching the show have started to watch the show, um, based in part because on our recaps, Leon. So that's good (laughs) because maybe it makes more sense if you've actually seen the show. (laughs) Maybe. I, I think we do a pretty good job of recapping. Mm-hmm. All right. We're, we're in the middle here of season two. This week's episode is, was called Catch and Release, a little fish reference we'll get to later. I thought it was a particularly good episode. I liked it because it was a neat little 60-minute package where you got one really good storyline that you could see from different points of view. I really enjoyed this show. Julie, for me, it was a Madam Secretary triathlon. First, you had Madam Secretary fishing. Then you had Henry running. I enjoyed that scene. I did too, Leanne. And then, like it couldn't get any better, you had some kind of wonderful Eric Stoltz carving a chicken. I mean, what was happening there? That was fantastic, wasn't it? It was, Leanne. It was. Outstanding work by all three actors. Yes. Yeah. I would like, actually, I would like to see the, just the, we're aging fantastically face-off between Eric Stoltz and Rob Lowe. Like, I, I just think those John Hughes men of the 80s, they are still looking good. I mean, Eric Stoltz looked fantastic, didn't he? Yeah, he. We, I can see you have a cr- crush on him, Leah. And I, I thought he totally. looked Totally. Oh, good. I've had a crush on him since I was 13, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's no secret okay. there. Come on. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was, it was just exciting. There was a lot of action, as you can tell, in this particular episode, Catch and Release. But here's the thing. It was basically one big storyline they were following. And I like this storyline because it is actually happening and it's in the news. And it was the idea of an American-born ISIS member. And so what we see the opening is one of those, what's become, unfortunately, something we've seen a lot, these terrible beheading videos uh, an ISIS member beheading an American soldier or an American aid worker. And, um, and then we learn very quickly, they managed to do the intelligence in like rapid fire, uh, manner that he is an American born, um, student. He was a college student. He is the son of a state department employee. He was radicalized after his father's death from, uh, a Parkinson Huntington's disease, right? Huntington's. Yes. And, uh, and now he's joined. ISIS and he's wreaking havoc on American um, NGO workers over there, right? Yeah, I thought that was that was such an interesting character. I mean, first of all, it was ripped from the head. Yeah, I liked it. it. Was yeah. you know was very uh, uncomfortable watching that you know that the very familiar scene of the black you know the black ISIS you know executor and then you know the orange jumpsuit. But the character of the son, that he would be the son of a State Department employee that had probably traveled around, had not lived in the U.S., you know, so that, you know, um, that uh, and that just got attached to a different culture other than an American culture after the death of his father, I thought was was a very interesting and well-written character. Yeah, that's why I thought it was just really tight, because that's one of those things. The writer was Alex Cooley-Paul. And so that's one of those things, like, you're just drawing all the stories together. So that was a good detail that uh, her, his mother had been in the State Department. He'd gone to the American International School in Egypt. He'd learned Arabic. He'd come back to the States, went back to Egypt during the Arab Spring, and, you know, was radicalized there. But uh, I, if you if you recognize recognized his mother. Of course, that was Blair Waldorf's mother from Gossip Girl. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Wait, Fashion sorry. designer Eleanor Waldorf, now uh, mother of an American ISIS you member. Know, and actually, the mother is, I, I, I don't know her, but she was a tremendous actress because in the scene where she watches the video of her son, who is, you know, is camouflaged in the black outfit, but she, you know, when she is recognizing that it is her son and that is her voice and the terror that she has, you know, that she expresses on her face was so well done. I thought that was a very good scene. It was a very good scene. And, you know, when you read the headlines of these Amer- radicalized Americans, that's what you think about if you have children, uh, you know, particularly sons, I think. But there have been young women who have been radicalized. You think what must their parents feel like? Yeah. And so I, I thought that was really impressive. She's an actress. Her name is Margaret Collin, uh, AKA Eleanor Waldorf fashion designer, but she was, that was a really effective scene. And again, 
we have said in the past, we love how Madam Secretary handles things. She didn't say a word. She just played the video, and then we saw the reaction of the mother when she realizes this is her son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the storyline moves forward on sort of all fronts. She has a very power. There's the president finally like woke up this week. Right? Liam, he was listening to you. Last <laughs> I know. Complained that the president was just. He wasn't really, he wasn't stepping up. He wasn't being enough of a commander in chief. Well, he did this week, didn't he, Liam? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He, he said, I don't care. We got to get this guy, kill him if you want. I don't care. We don't need to take him alive. We just need to take him out. I think was the line. And he, he like raised his voice and he really got into it. So yeah, president woke up. Uh, but in the meantime, who's caught up in this idea of the threat to all, um, you know, aid workers on the borders there, uh, is, is Bess's brother, Madam Secretary's brother, Dr. Eric Stoltz, who is, What was his real name? Reed? What was Tyler. his name? Tyler. Tyler? Whatever. Tyler. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah. Oh, he didn't look like a Tyler. Okay. Uh, I don't know. All I know is there he is like in the flak jacket operating uh, somewhere on the Syria-Pakistan border. And then the next thing you know, he's in front of Madam Secretary's Georgetown um, apartment, Georgetown Brownstone. And uh, they're getting into it like brothers and sisters do. He's accusing Madam Secretary of, you know, not really understanding the situation, not caring about the actual people on the ground. And she's saying he's naive. It's not just, it's so complex. You can't possibly judge me from, you know, your point of view. Um, so, and to, to work this all out, Julie, to have the heart to heart they need to have, what do they do? They, they go fly fishing. They go fly fishing. Like in the middle of Madam Secretary's busy day in an international crisis, she whips off the plaid shirt and the, and the, and the hip boots and they go fly fishing. Where was I that? I mean, I don't, first of all, where was that? I mean, where I don't know it? said, cause that wasn't the Potomac river, but, uh, but that was, I mean, it's, there's only, I, I don't know in what, those are like really waspy families that you decide to deal with um, family conflict and go, you know, go to the uh, river uh, to fly fish. But here's the thing. I think Taya Leone w- can actually fly fish because okay. I was watching her cast. Now, as you know, Leanne, I'm married to a fly fisher, yes. fisherman. And I have, uh, for 30 years, I've stood in the river and the river does not run through me. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I just, uh, but I have taken all kinds of lessons tips but i could see that she really knew how to cast i mean she was you're supposed to tip your hat lane that's that's the motion um that you're supposed to get with your fly rod and and the line you tip your hat okay i couldn't do it i don't know what i was doing uh but but her brother dr eric stoltz as you call him he uh he was like sitting on the rocks no one fishes like that land no 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 self-respecting fly fisherman like sits on the uh, sits on a rock to fish okay you're in the river okay and of course she catches the fish Leanne, and she looks like she did a very good job getting it in the net because if i actually caught a fish i usually just <laughs> scream that's that's what i do when i fly fish but she was amazing how she went and her hair she oh. managed to even though she, you know because you're you're in a river, Leanne, and right. you got got some horrible hat on. Yeah, she, she didn't have hat head or anything like that. So I, I don't know how she did that. It did look like they had honestly just ordered those clothes from a fly fishing catalog, and yes. they had arrived yes. that morning, and they put them on. Yes, so they were supposed to be these experienced fishermen, but you know she looked spectacular, and I mean he was made for fly fishing gear. So uh, <laughs> yes, even though he didn't know what he did not know what he was doing. He he looked- Take, I could teach him a few lessons. That's what I, that's. But during the, the 45 minute fly fishing trip somewhere just north of Washington, D.C., um, Tay Leone, as Madam Secretary, did manage to wrest a critical piece of intelligence out of her husband uh-huh. or her brother. And this is why, you know, having a sister in the CIA, former CIA sister, like we could have learned a few things from our brothers, right? It made me think, wish one of us was in the CIA. We could have really figured out stuff about our brothers. But she managed to get out this piece of intelligence about how does he, how does he get medicine, you know, into these, uh, you know, dangerous territories and the whole black market and medical couriers and people who have pharmaceutical drugs and high end and this is how they work. And sometimes they work for the good guys and sometimes they work for the bad guys. So, you know, little bit of, 
of that, a uh, little bit of how we, uh, you know, tracked um, Osama bin Laden, followed the courier. She goes home from the fly fishing trip. She she changes like in her closet. What's in that closet in how, her office? I don't know. I know that I know that her assistant Blake is constantly putting putting new clothing in there. But she she was like Superman. She went in there, you know, in her fly fishing plaid shirt and came out, and there was that same white blouse. The blouse, uh, her signature white tie blouse. Yeah, yes. signature white tie blouse. But she's got it now. She's sort of putting together the details that this American ISIS uh, fighter, he also has part Huntington's disease like his father. His mother sent a boatload of money over to him, $8,000. Oh, it's to get the medicine. So Bess rushes to the president with this intelligence, like we got to follow the medical courier. He's he's going to need drugs today. I love that. Well, sure. Right. It's TV. We got to wrap this up in 60 minutes. So we got to get him some but meds you gotta give it. You got to give it to Madam Secretary. The light bulb is always yeah. goes off. I mean, that she solves it. In, that she solves these things in an hour, Leon. We're so grateful. It does not 10 years. We're not talking, tracking the courier for 10 years. No. But I thought that, again, it was a very interesting storyline. And the idea that in the chaos of these, you know, of these, of these countries that the black market would work more efficiently than you know than actual markets that's probably true and that's that they're probably you know that's how people with you know illnesses that's probably how you know how they get their drugs so that was good i liked it and they do they track the medical courier with the drone which created some great visuals for the show that's a good idea and then uh and then we see the medical courier meet the american isis guy we know it's him he's getting the drugs and boom that's the president decides not to take him alive even though bess who's now sympathetic to the mother you can see there's that moment where she's like well you know, maybe if we get him, he'd offer up some great intelligence. But the president just steps up as commander in chief and says, you know, get him. And so there's a drone strike and that's the end of the medical courier and the American ISIS. But this does not sit well with Dr. Eric Stoltz, who feels like he was used by his sister, right? Yes. He's, you know, he's very upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so there is a little bit of bad blood as they, as they end, but Bess is not done. She is not done building bridges. She, she wants, uh, she hands him a ticket to go, where was he going back to? Sam, gonna, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Somewhere. I think he was heading back through so, Istanbul. Okay. Yes, somewhere in the Middle East. But first he has to go to London because he has to see his daughter and uh, who he's basically abandoned. So right. Bass is building bridges with her brother and his daughter. So she's, well, I mean, she's she working it call- all the time. It was a long day for her yesterday. <laughs> I know. I mean, well, she did call her brother narcissistic and said he was an adrenaline junkie and he needed to pay more attention to his daughter. So she gave him a ticket, yeah. back, but, but you got to go visit the daughter. So. Right. And he reluctantly took the ticket and you have some sense that perhaps Leon, uh, you'll see the brother again. Yeah. Let's hope. Let's, I, I, I hope I, yeah, I, I, I hope there's like a study abroad semester in London for the, the, the daughter who makes bad choices. Maybe she'll make a good choice and she'll go to London. But the last scene, there's Henry, uh, like sitting in the moonlight in one of those window seats where no man ever sat. And (laughs) I had the exact same thought when I saw that picture, I was like, what man sits in a window seat? Men don't sit in window seats, do they? No, no, not when there's a couch anywhere in the vicinity. Uh, So, and then uh, Beth snuggles up with Henry and, and that's how the end. The other second storyline was much was emotional. It just continued the Russia thread. So we wrapped up the American ISIS, but the Russia thread continues. We saw poor Dimitri, uh, the the student that Henry has turned, get involved in the life of another student, Ivan. You knew from the first scene in this storyline, Julie, what was going to happen. Things were not going to go well with closeted homosexual Ivan, who is allegedly being called back to Russia to be uh, humiliated and imprisoned. And Dimitri tries to save him, get him to defect to the United States. And that goes poorly, right? Yeah, it, no, I, it's really, it's a, it's a tragic scene. And again, but it's based in reality. I mean, that I think, you know, the, you know, the whole gay movement is still has a long way to go in Russia that, you know, that for, you know, that gays do not have the same freedoms and privileges that, that they have here in the U S and that, 
you know, that this army cap captain, this Russian army captain was not going to be able to live his life as a gay man in, in Russia. And he was going to be humiliated. And because he knew that he had, you know, he had no options to go back in, in the country that he loved. Again, yeah. like Dmitry, he really loved Russia, but he saw that he had no options to, uh, to live there. He commits suicide. And it's, uh, it's a very poignant scene. It is very poignant. Again, this is a very interesting storyline to me. It gives, well, first of all, it gives us a chance to see more Tim Daly. And, yes, yes. and at one point, Tim Daly was running. I mean, just, you just, that was good. I thought that was good. <laughs> scene but um and uh but it is a very poignant storyline so we know we're going to pick up with russia soon because we got sweeps weeks coming up and that is sort of the big arc that's going to last for the season i think but very tight little episode today julie i was left with one big question though i'm wondering what do you think is going to take me to get my husband to get his hair cut like tim daly's what (laughs) what because i think he could do it but he just refuses to get a decent haircut did i show him the haircut do i what do i do And well, how do you think, how, what do you, what do you think your husband's reaction is going to be? Could you look a little bit more like this guy here? But your husband has the hair, Leanne. He, he could do it. I he know. Could, I he know. He's a man with an almost full head of hair at this yeah. age. He yeah. should celebrate it with a decent yeah. haircut. Yeah. Maybe you could just leave some pictures around. That's or, or maybe you could enlist one of your sons to go with your husband. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And we just take this picture of Tim Daly. Hey, Dad, why don't you get your hair cut like this? No, I thought, you know, he looked good this show. All right. In our binders full of blouses, not a lot of blouses today, uh, this episode, we had the signature white tie blouse. Um, and then we had the plaid flish- fishing shirt, which... <laughs> Which was good. But I do notice with the signature uh, tie uh, blouse that as it is sort of a a barometer, Leanne, it's at the beginning of the day, it's all sort of neatly folded. And depending on the episode and the crisis that Madam Secretary is dealing with, the blouse and the ties becomes more disheveled as the day goes on. So it's a very good emotional indicator of what's going on. That's oh something to keep our eye on. That's yes. good. You're right. Yeah. It's like a man in his tie loosening the tie. She's yeah. got the blouse. All right. Well, it's going to be another uh, big month for Madam Secretary. So stay tuned. Here we love doing this recap show. If you're just joining us for the recaps, you know we do uh, many other podcasts during the week, and I've done so for 15 years. We would love you to check out SatelliteSisters.com, or you can find all the shows on iTunes. Besides TV, we talk about other things from world events to life to work to job to families we cover a lot of ground on satellite sisters and we would love to have you join us regularly we usually post two podcasts a week but we have a lot happening in the next couple months so we have all these special episodes going up and uh, interesting interviews with people so we would love you to get on board with the satellite sisters bandwagon go to satellitesisters.com all right Joel, you have any plans for the week what do you have oh, to? busy weekly elaine i gotta really um sort of uh, make sure preview all the places i'm going to recommend for the big satellite sister event here in Dallas. Yeah. Okay. I'm going right. to have a full day, including the side trip to Waco, Texas. <laughs> okay. All righty. No, sounds good. Sounds good. All right. We're the satellite sisters. Don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>